Aquarian Music Witch, the podcast. Hi, how you doing? Good, you? Um, I'm doing okay. Trying to get a good start on this new year, you know? Yeah, I feel that. Do you get some Not coffee? that it's starting out good. Is it not starting out good? Well, it's just crazy. I don't know. Everything just kind of blew up all at once. And now my sister's living here with me and my mom. It's like all crazy. That is crazy. Where's here yeah. from, you know? Here um, is in Maine. I live in Skowhegan, Maine. Okay. And when did your family, your mom and sister move in? Um, so I lived with my mom, like, originally. I just moved back here, like, a couple years ago, I think. Mm-hmm. And my sister just moved in, like, two days ago. Okay, so that's a pretty chaotic start, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and not to mention, I, I like I was telling you, like, we we all just woke up from, like, a nap collectively. And my sister goes outside to turn her car on to get ready for a doctor's appointment. To bring her boyfriend to a doctor's appointment and her car's gone. Oh my god. So somebody stole her car. She called the police and they're out looking for it right now. Right now. That's yeah. chaotic. Yeah, that literally just happened. Is there like another car in your family that you can that she can use? Yeah, that her boyfriend has a Jeep. That's that's what they're riding around in right now. Well, that's a hell of a start to the year. I, mm-hmm. I'm feeling like I'm feeling like really good signs about the year, but it's really hard to tell because it is very chaotic. And I just um I don't know if you guys had the weather up there that we've had the last couple of days, but like really weird snow and terrain, kind of horrible torrential downpour. And yeah. my one bathroom in my house had no apparent issue before the rain. And then we I walked in there. And it was raining out of the ceiling. It's oh like, my god! It's like <laughs> no. a horrible leak with like a bulging water wall now. Oh so no! That all happened like yesterday or two days ago, and I've just been kind of like in shock about it because I'm like, no, it's like a good year this year. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Right? It's no. supposed to be good. <laughs> We're supposed to be off to a, on the right foot here. Like, well, I'm I'm feeling like it's it should be more of a creative year. It's been so tumultuous, you know since mm. i guess 2020 but like i don't know like i'm like pluto's moving into aquarius and so that's positive seeming to me on the 20th yeah. and i'm really hoping for a shift because it's been a hell of a hell of a whatever it's been 35 years of pluto and Capricorn. yeah <laughs> i'm so getting I'm excited ready. honestly i feel like i can feel the energy shifting towards a more like aquarian like uh, just aquarian vibe family members are a lot more like they've just been a lot more receptive to criticism lately than they usually would be because usually like they're just the kind of people who aren't who who go numb who would just rather go numb than ask deep questions and lately it's like i don't know what it is like i said it must be just this aquarian energy from pluto because they're all so much more receptive to not just criticism but to like facing their problems head on and that's what i'm really hoping to see out of some people this year is because we've done so much waiting i feel like we've done so much 
trying to just like let things play out. And I feel like people need to be a lot more active. They need to be a lot more in that role of themselves instead of just going on autopilot. Well, and I want to, I want to ask about kind of like, cause I mean, we've been on, we've been in each other's orbit, I think for a while on TikTok, you and I, and I know you as like synthesis begins on there and I really resonate with a lot of your content. And so I'd love for you to talk more about kind of what your ideas about the kinds of actions to take would be. But also I'm wondering, do you feel like, because I kind of feel like this for my family, actually in the last couple of years myself, do you feel like it's an awakening thing? Do you feel like they're kind of waking up along with you or like maybe in reaction to some of the work you've done? I don't know, honestly. I know that like, see, this is something I really like to say is that no matter how many times you say it and how many times they refuse to hear you out, they can't unhear you. Mm. So it does build up over time. You know what I mean? You plant those seeds, you say the words, and even if they try to reject it, even if they try to bury their head in the sand again, it's like there's slightly less sand in their ears than from the last time. Yeah, well, it is like, I definitely think, and I say this a lot, that when you speak words into the world, that allows people to if they've never heard something put that way before, but now they have for the first time, right. it allows them to conceptualize it for the first time. It allows them to imagine it and like there's space for it all of a sudden in your in your field of possibilities. And then suddenly that becomes like a reality. So I do think like that's why representation makes a big difference. Just like getting positive representation in front of people's faces makes such a huge difference in normalization, for example. But um, yeah, I think it makes sense that it works that way. Yeah, that's very true, honestly. And I'm I'm so ready to move on to that next step because I've been trying for a long time to get myself to a position where I am stable and mm -hmm. I don't need anybody else like to hold me up. And that's taken so much time and effort. That's uh, That train of thought led me into my first hermitage and I stayed out in the woods for like six months all by myself. And just tried to make it work because I know that these are skills that I'm going to need someday in order to show people that that more is possible. You know what I mean? That you don't have to go homeless like me, but you do need these understandings of life in order to draw a new conclusion. You know what I mean? I do. How do you balance that, though? Because I know you talk about like the importance of community as well. Um, so what is your kind of take on hermitage and community? And like, is that something that you felt like you needed to do in order to come back fully ready to be in more of a community? Or do you think there's something important about, or do you consider it isolation, I guess? Yeah, kind of. It, it's kind of isolation, but it's really hard to survive without other people. Like you need the tools and the skills in order to do that. And I feel like we've been so separated from those skills and those tools. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we've lost so much of our like generational knowledge, like women passing down the ability to sew and uh, men passing down like the knowledge on how to hunt and not just like obviously through the sexual binaries, but in general, there isn't a lot of like that handing down of knowledge going on anymore. Like yeah. I never learned how to can like from my grandmother. And I feel like that is such an essential skill, especially if you're born in poverty, because I've never been rich. I've never had a good amount of money to my name. And 
if I had had that skill growing up, we would have been canning our own foods instead of buying canned foods. You know what I mean? Like there's so many ways that you can make this easier and cheaper on yourself. And when it comes down to it, like you need community. But if you don't have a solid idea of who you are at the end of the day without those people around, then there's a lot of your truth that you're missing out on because you're only ever seeing yourself in juxtaposition to these people. You, you don't have like a full and complete understanding of who you are without them. And you need that. Otherwise, you continue to just react to your reality instead of finding new ways of thinking. That's very important. Do you think, I mean, I, I, I totally agree. Do you think everybody needs to go through that kind of phase of like, doing it on their own in order to come back in that way because I do think there's a level of like codependence and I think it's similar when you're pursuing romantic relationships or whatever um, where uh it can be very easy to try to just get your sense of identity even like externally from the group and uh, I agree that it is important to figure out how that can come from somewhere internal but yeah, but it's, I guess, a balance because it's extremely important to not just ultimately isolate either. Right. So I do totally agree with that. Yeah, for real. No, I agree, too. It's um, There's definitely like a, a thing underlying this idea of self that you have to, to try and get in tune with. Because like you're talking about codependency, that's how like... I'm really open and I'm really honest with myself about everything, even to other people. And people will, some people call it trauma dumping. I call it, I don't want to be around you if you're not real. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm sorry that it's 20 minutes worth of details, but that's my life. Like, <laughs> sure. yeah. And I mean, I do think that there's something, um, even in your body that's not healthy when you kind of have those things and are feeling them and don't and just repress them so yeah. I think it's better to be open although <clears throat> I've been also thinking about that in terms of balance and like finding a balance about energy because I think for a really long time I've been on that obvious like kind of the given and starting foundational point of the conversation is like and I don't really know I don't know exactly all the intersections that you identify at, but like when you're not in that kind of like straight cis white het kind of place, it's a lot easier to understand why you can't just be like love and light. You can't just only ha be operating in like the quote unquote high vibration, whatever, yeah. you know, whatever that really is. And, and so I, for a long time, I've been kind of not there and kind of like, yeah, you know, knock it off, you guys. Like, of course, we need to talk about these dark things and we need to be in, we need to sit in uncomfortable places and we need to sit in the contradictions. And I don't disagree with that, but I've also, I feel like I've kind of maybe added like a layer of nuance to that in my own head more recently, where I have been noticing that or reflecting more on how it there is something it, it's not like <clears throat> you can't completely be there but there's something to that where like i do find that i sit in the darkness and i i almost i almost do keep myself there a little bit too much sometimes and maybe not to the same extreme as some people but there's some kind of balance to strike where there is a there is a time to sit there and then there is a time to kind of be lighter or like or like shift energies in some way so that it's not making you stuck do you right know? 
Yeah, I totally get that. It makes sense because you, I, I used to have a tendency to do the same exact thing. I used to sit and I used to dwell on the problems because I was afraid that if I stopped thinking about them, that everybody would just stop caring. Mm. Like that it wouldn't matter enough that they were being talked about because we're not really making any progress in any other direction other than talking about them. And I think, at least for me, what saves me from sitting and dwelling in the dark to the point where it becomes like detrimental to myself is focusing on the solutions instead of the problems. Because you can have the solution to the problem in your mind. And it is like, you know, it's like the negative impression of the problem. Mm -hmm. So it becomes a positive thing to focus on the solution. And so that's what I put my energy into for the most part is not just this is what the problem is, talk about it, scream about it, cry about it, but these are the potential solutions. And that's usually how like I transmute the energy in, in essence is like I take the problem and I think about these solutions and then I try to put as much energy I can into those. Like recently, I just started a Discord server for anti-capitalists where I'm working really hard to connect anti-capitalists with anti-capitalist landowners who are trying to start intentional communities. And I've spent so much time thinking about the solutions that I have more ideas. Like I was, I was telling the people in that group, I was like, I have more ideas than I have patience for. It's mm-hmm. Modernity calls it ADHD. <laughs> and so I just do my best to share those solutions with these people. And I'm trying to become a teacher and a a guide more than anything. I don't want to be a leader in the traditional sense. I don't want people to listen to me. I just want them to hear me out. Yeah. I mean, I also feel really strongly about that. Like there's something, there's something where the, where the main point is that people just need to listen or just not like force people to listen, but that's the blocker. Like the just straight up listening, validating Yeah. And people's ability to listen, to hear instead of listening to respond. That's such a hard thing to to cope with, because there are a lot of people out there who don't care about the solutions. They care about their solution. Like there was this fucking oh, my God, there's this one guy who came into my discord server the other day and I made a video about it. I don't know if you saw it, but he literally started talking about how. He wanted to sign people up on seven-year manual labor contracts in exchange for a half an acre of land. And I was like, that's a joke, right? Like, you're making a joke about indentured servitude? LMAO, that's so fucking funny. And guess what? It wasn't a joke. Like, he went on for a half an hour, dude, about how he was offering this indentured servitude. And I was like, it just got to a point where I was like, indentured servitude is slavery, and I will not condone your ignorance here. And I had to ban him. Oh, man. Well, there is something to like, you really do have to kind of <clears throat> curate your space when you have when you're in charge of it. And I'm in charge of a discord as well. And, yeah. and you have to make I mean, it's always a learning process. And it's always like very dynamic when there's just a bunch of different people with different ideas. But you right. curate a little bit because it's not like people can't have their own ideas, but, um, right. I feel that it's not all equally weighted and it's not all equally like informed. And I'm so, and I'm trying really hard to not be like, 
excuse me i don't want to turn into like a tyrant like i don't want people to think that they have to agree with me in order to be a part of like an anti-capitalist movement because there's a lot of different people in that group there are people who are stuck working because they don't see another way out you know there are people who i have other landowners aside from myself who are actively trying to create these new communities but It's just such a weird, like, it's such a weird crossroad to be at because we're trying to escape the clutches of money and its control over our lives while simultaneously recognizing that we need money in order to make it out of this system. You know what I mean? To get out of the starting gate to begin with. I do. And it's really tough because you have to, I don't think it's like being a tyrant because you're not trying to you're not you can't ever control what other people think so you know but you can control what's happening within your own boundaries and space so i think it's really just about like finding people that resonate with you and what you're trying to do yeah enough like if i think about it vibrationally it's like how closely do you resonate maybe but then right, for it's real. never going to be it's never going to be exactly the same so there's always going to be and that's what i've talked about like coalition building on my channel and it's and that's why that's so important to understand because there's communities and then there's coalitions and a community is something where you want to have like a sustained and ongoing relationship to these people that's more of just like a state of existence a coalition is where you're trying to accomplish a particular goal and so for coalitions you don't really need to be in a forever community and you don't even really need to align that closely on certain things you just have to align on the goal enough that you're willing to kind of put the differences aside and work together for that temporary time to reach the goal. Yeah. um, People really struggle. Like it's a balance again. I think people really, really struggle with that. And I also was thinking about um, like accelerationism and the lack of hope, because I think that's where a lot of it comes from. Also, like um, it's not even that people aren't educated or that people aren't, informed either like I almost want to take that back it's more like the the paradigm or like the ideology is just completely different and a lot of the people that kind of scare me within I've been thinking about this so much like within leftist spaces because I you know we can have whatever larger beef with like other spaces but for me it's like well I want to be in a leftist space because I want to make a change and so I'm concerned with what I'm seeing specifically in there because it's closest to having like a potential to do something. But I see um, accelerationism everywhere I look. And I'm really disturbed by the, and also very black and white kind of thinking around certain issues and, and um, what's it called? Not like gatekeeping, but like, um, like exclusionary practices or, or like, um, like policing around certain things that's I, I think some of the language it is like dog whistling and I, I understand how some people will come in and they're bad actors they're in bad faith and they're they're throwing out this language that you're like oh like I can tell that you know what you're doing and you're here to cause chaos and an issue and then yeah. there's people that just lived some life experience a little different from mine and so they use some kind of language whatever like they use some word and to me it's a trigger or a dog whistle but to them it's literally just like a naivety or it's just a different set of experiences and then i i see too often in those spaces that person will just kind of be canceled or whatever and and i don't think that's quite right like there's a balance where like if that person is then going off and being super harmful to the group and it's just like a distraction and, and counterproductive and harmful then okay we tip the balance and like get out of the group you need to curate the space but 
some degree you have to kind of you have to kind of understand how to accept people without trying to control them completely and still work together and that's really tough but very very important obviously like in in a practical way to get anything done because otherwise yeah we are just talking you know for real (laughs) no i went through i went through something so similar it's honestly kind of crazy because when you it's like I was, I was saying this the other day. It's like human people living human lives, making human mistakes. Unfortunately for us, human is where free ends and will begins. Mm. And there was this a guy in my in one of my servers, a guy I didn't ban because mm. he was talking for some reason, like his idea of anti-capitalism, like he thought what he was doing is anti-capitalist and like all the more power to him if that's what he believes that it is. But like, in our idea, like the the idea we're trying to mesh together in that group, he, the, what he was talking about, like totally, totally was not even related to that. Mm-hmm. He was talking about setting people up at a bank with a $700 mortgage for a tiny home. And we're all talking about starting intentional communities and tribal communities that su- like are like a support systems for everybody who is a member of that community. Yeah. And I, I just like, I had to say it in the group because like you said, we're curating a space here. And Mm -hmm. I was like, you realize that like setting somebody up with a mortgage at the bank is like the antithesis of our original intention. And I told him like, we're not trying to humiliate you or like belittle you, but we do need to point out that this and that do not mesh together, that these are not the same thing as far as our intentions and your ideologies. Yeah, He's still a part of our group and he still helps me out. Because like you said, you were talking about like a coalition versus a community. And I like that because that's more of what like the Discord server is because it's a bunch of different landowners with different visions for their land. Yeah. And I don't know. I'm just glad that you said that because I needed to hear that about coalitions. Yeah, it's it's an important and really difficult distinction because I think you do have to make a little bit more compromise with a coalition, but there's like a there's like a concrete goal that you're right. going toward. And so it can be kind of like for that period of time, we'll set these things aside. And I think that that can be helpful to think about it in that way. Yeah, I think so, honestly, because there's a lot of like, there's just a lot of people who don't, aren't like at the level I'm at. Like I've, I've gone out and I've done it on my own and I realize what's possible and not everybody feels that way. Not everybody is as hopeful. And not everybody has the same like the, the same basin of knowledge to draw their water from. Yeah. And I understand that. I'm trying so hard to give that knowledge away to people, but only certain people will listen to you. You know, only certain totally people right. will hear what you have to say. So right. people can't always appreciate it if they're just not even in the right headspace or they can't right. or they haven't had the right aligning experiences to get why it's important. But what yeah. I, one thing I really do like about a lot of what you talk about is that it is, um, it's taking people to task, but it is very hopeful. And that is something that I think we align on that. I'm just really disturbed to see a lot of people don't, or like even people that I think are aligning with me don't always, but I do think you've, in all the content I've seen of yours, you always are approaching things with a lot of hope and a lot of like, I don't know if faith is quite the right word, but the idea that something better is, can happen if we are going to really buckle down and right. do it. And I really appreciate that. Yeah, we definitely need that. We need that hope. We need that ability to say, 
that it's not impossible because a lot of people already are. They're already in that headspace and spewing that kind of rhetoric and just genuinely like bringing themselves down in a way that they don't fully understand because they're just doing what they're used to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think we're, I think we're both inter interested in this like intersection between radical politics and spiritual enlightenment. But I wanted to know, are you comfortable with sharing? Like, do you consider yourself to be, and maybe the language isn't what you prefer, but do you consider yourself to be like um, spiritually awakened or to have experienced a spiritual awakening? And I wonder what that was like for you, if so. I, I have been, this, it's going to get really heavy. Okay. Just so you know. Are you okay with I've that? I've been, what was that? Are you okay with that? Because I'm okay with it. No, I'm I'm fine with it. Yeah, I'm I'm an open book, but there are a lot of people, like I said, that I've I've experienced that don't just don't care to hear me out, and like, so I've been awake since I was like eight. I've been spiritually aware of the world since I was about eight years old, because I used to have these chronic panic attacks, where. I would just sit up in my room and wonder what it means to be alive and wonder <laughs> why anything is even what it is. And I, I would tell myself these little stories to try and make myself feel better because my mom is just a terrible person. And she would come up the stairs while I was crying and she'd, she'd, she'd tell me that if I didn't shut the fuck up, she'd give me a reason to cry. Oh. So I had to teach myself how to deal with my anxiety growing Yeah had to tell myself these dumb little stories about how I must be God and I've seen this all before and this is just all a movie playing on the back of my eyeballs and I I was a fucking wild weird kid because I didn't have any support mm -hmm. growing up to make it through that I had to figure it out on my own yeah and I have been awake for a while I I used to actively because I was a child and I didn't have any better guidance. I used to actively manipulate people in high school and middle school in order to curate the life that I wanted to see for myself. I wanted to be popular and I wanted to be cool. And I got like half of everything I asked for, you know what I mean? Hmm. And it got to a point where I wound up just going like quote unquote, going back to sleep because I was tired of nobody caring about the deep questions. I was so tired of friends that were only surface level. And yeah, it's it, it gets crazier. I've definitely woken up like two different times. And at yeah. this point in my life, I would consider myself to have reached some form of enlightenment because I can see and understand all perspectives. That's what that really means to me. Yeah, I think, I mean, I also kind of went back to sleep at one point. That happened to me, too. So I yeah. can't agree to that. But then when did you kind of come back? And, like, did that have anything to do with getting on TikTok, too? Because I, I feel like that's, is that also your main channel for communicating your ideas? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty much the only one. And did that, like, when did you get on there? And did that have to do with kind of, like, waking back up? That was six years ago. And... Waking back up for me was when I was living in New Hampshire. I had like totally just enveloped myself in the mundane world. I was working a job in Manchester, living with like three different friends in a one bedroom apartment. 
And I was just trying so hard to like please them and to feel like I was a part of the group because that's all I've ever wanted. Like my whole life was just to be surrounded by people who care about me because my mom has never cared, not the way that she claims to. And my, my siblings are so neurotypical. It's not even funny. Like they're all trying so hard to fit in and to be the person that they're supposed to be by somebody else's standards instead of developing their own. And just to find a group of people like, like that, like if they were different at first, I feel like. And then as things got more mundane, because we were originally at Job Corps and it was like a party. It was like a party every day. We didn't treat it the way that it was intended to be treated. We just had fun with it. And once we got out of that setting and into like a real life setting where we're all trying to meet the bills and we're all trying to do the dishes and we're all yeah. trying to make sure like everything's doing everything it's supposed to do by somebody else's standards. Like that's when it started to get bad because I don't, I, I was ready to wake up. Like that's what I wanted. I was getting what I wanted. And I don't know. It just devolved from there. I try so hard to show people what true love is, what unconditional love is, like that you don't have to meet X, Y, and Z of a standard that you just deserve to be yourself and to be loved for that. But people who have heard their entire lives that they have to change in order to be loved and accepted, they don't want to hear it. You know what I mean? I do. And so I had to... I had to wake back up out of that situation or else I would have ended up somewhere I never intended to be. That makes sense. I think unconditional love is such a fascinating conversation and topic too. Uh, and I wonder if you can talk more about like what that really means to you or what you think about it, because I'm always fascinated with that idea and how it got basically like completely flipped and perverted by, um, you know, by uh, whatever, like white Western colonizing Christianity. And right. the idea is the opposite. Like anything, like your first source you might think of to talk about unconditional love would be the Bible because it talks about it. But it, but whatever it talks about to me, in my understanding, is like the exact opposite of what real unconditional love is. And it also then sets you up with this weird like fake out about romantic love, which I almost think doesn't even exist. I right. That's quite even what I mean. But like, I, I almost think it doesn't even exist. It's like a fake kind of love, romantic love, because it, do you know what I mean? It's like, no, it's, I totally agree. It's like an opiate. Like it's right. It's so oh, my say, God. You know what I mean? Like, not. Yes, yeah. it's crazy that you say that, because I was just telling somebody the other day, I was like, Love will literally like rot your soul from the inside out because <laughs> it time. sets you up with all of these expectations. Mm -hmm. And then like, and, and what we fail to realize is that that kind of love, like it burns out. Like, it's like a fuel, like you, you're in this moment with this person and you love them and you care about them. And then like slowly over time, you get used to each other and then you start taking each other for granted and that's literally just how it always works. And I feel like what a lot of people miss out on or what a lot of people fail to recognize is that what they're really looking for is care. They're looking for somebody to care about them. They're not looking for this flashy Hollywood love scene, like story, this movie. Like it, it doesn't make any sense at the end of the day because it's unsustainable. Nobody 
can just show you this consistent forever love and not themselves get burnt out, especially if they're not in a position where they understand what love means to them. Because a lot of us sit in this very brainwashed space where we think about love through the perspective of what we've experienced, whether it's movies, whether it's media, or whether it's our shitty fucking parents' marriage. Is you know personal experience. Yeah. No, I, I I really agree and understand what you're saying, and I think it's kind of like the reason is because you are expecting people to play a role for you. Yes. So yeah, when you see somebody, and then your brain kind of goes, "Oh wow!" Like I've always imagined to have this perfect partner, whatever that is this person visually appears like they could be that and they've given me some signs that they could fit that role. And so now I have fallen in love with the idea that my, that that role has been filled. Right. So then it's like this game of people constantly falling short of that. And when you're a narcissist, when you're like, when you're like dealing with extreme narcissism or even just societal levels of narcissism, you are going to then turn around and punish that person when they don't fit the role. And oh then, my god yes when you're even not a narcissist though it will break your heart you know because right. you, because you're not in it with a real person and i think there's um I'll, I'll probably mention this every episode forever of this podcast but there's audra lord talking about uses of the erotic um in sister outsider and talks about how it becomes pornographic and absurd and um it becomes uh i don't think she says like predatory but it's but it becomes like basically the flipped around opposite when you're when you're in a sexual situation with somebody or an erotic situation but you're expecting them to kind of fulfill a particular role for you and you're just actually engaging with them human to human and just like both having a presence and experiencing an interaction together that is erotic and that is powerful and it's not pornographic in any way it's like very empowering And so those are the differences, you know, but I do think we all, we often approach romantic relationships, like here's someone I can use. Here's someone I can put in this role for myself of fix my life as an external source of care. (laughs) That's so crazy to me. Cause I feel like I learned the hard way that Mm -hmm. it's never going to be like that. Like not even with your own parents. Like Uh, we have this like media representation of our parents where like they set you up with X, Y, and Z expectations of like what a good mother or a good father is supposed to be or who they're supposed to act like or just all of these standards that they're intended to meet, right? But then at the end of the day, that's just a person. It's just like the boyfriend yeah. thing. It's like it, at the end of the day, your boyfriend is just a person. They're not fitting a role. They are not this pinnacle ideology of what that thing is supposed to be and they never will be because they're human and they're going to make so many fucking mistakes and like are you going to stop loving them because they've made a mistake you don't like or are you going to help them work through that mistake yeah and if you don't if you stop loving them is that love really I mean it's not unconditional love and I also think it's important to think about love from like a place of yourself being healthy because I the thing I had to learn and I agree with you about the parents' role as well. It's really weird to snap out of that thing where you where you think of your parents as like, a, I don't even know, like superior beings or something. Yeah. Or really extra blame them because they should have gotten it right. And then you're like, no, you were right. like 25 when you had me. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> I get it. Like, that's a weird flip. But, um, oh, what was I going to say? 
Damn it, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> we're talking about people playing roles and all the expectations we harbor and hold over these people. I remember what I was going to say. It was that uh, the thing that I had to learn that was really, really hard was that, and it's not that you, I think there's a danger in saying like, you can't be loved until you can learn to love yourself or you can't love others until you can learn to love yourself. I think that's something I said a little too, uh, a little bit too flippantly earlier in my life, but, but at the same time, there's something about that, that that was really hard for me where I started approaching life when I was younger like especially in high school, I would I would try, I was like really obsessed with the idea of unconditionally loving others. Like that was something that I took upon myself as a very principled idea when I was a kid because um, I did th- see things in, in black and white in a lot of ways and I was raised in a church. And so I read the Bible and I went through catechism and I studied it and I took it seriously and I believed it until I didn't, you know? And in the time that I believed it, I really f- focused on this idea of like, what is unconditional love? And that became one of my first big, like philosophical and my whole life, my whole brain is constantly on philosophical questions, but that was really one of the first ones. Um, Even before, like, is there God was like, what is unconditional love and how do you do that? And why can God do that? But I can't, because that's Mm. what the Bible tells you is like, you fall short of ever being unconditionally love and only God is capable And so I kind of, and it wasn't out of ego, I don't think, but, but somewhere in my like little elementary schooler mind, I was like, why must we fall short? Why can't I reach that level of actually caring about people that much? And so I, I wanted to, and I really worked on, on approaching people that way, but I had a misunderstanding about unconditional love because of the Bible teaching me about it. It was wrong. It was incorrect. And one of the big things I missed was that I didn't feel like I I was getting my self-worth from that idea of like rising to the level of loving others unconditionally. And so I even hyper fixated on a guy. This is kind of a deep, uh, deep cut, but I, I really hyper fixated on this kid that I knew at the time. And, and for many years after I would consider that my first crush and my first like it wasn't love because we didn't know each other mutually it was just like this idea of a person in my head but what was happening was I could see that this kid was getting unfortunately abused uh in our classroom and just like not he had a bad life it wasn't okay and it was kind of unfolding in front of my eyes and so I became really fixated on this idea of like all I want in my life and and I have like all that I'm here for is to make this kid's life better. And so I just would do like I would bring little gifts and I would just like tr- I it's hard to explain. But for many years, I was like really focused on being this person's like angel and not for the credit and not even so we could like be in some kind of a relationship. But um, uh. I'm so sorry. I just got a knock on the door and I think I have to actually um, check in with that person. Is that okay with you? Can I, can I hop right back on in like one minute? Yeah, you're fine. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Excuse me. I'll be right back. No problem. Aquarian Music Witch, the podcast is made possible by listeners like you. To support this project, you can contribute directly through our Ko-fi page at ko-fi.com slash Aquarian Music Witch, or consider subscribing to our Supercast page. With the AMW Supercast Content Access Pass, 
you'll gain access to a vault of exclusive content and other cosmic perks starting at just $5 a month. Now, back to the show. Hey, sorry, are you there? Yes, I am. Okay, I'm so sorry about that. I have it's related to this bathroom situation. The guy that is my mason just came by and he's going to check it out because it's a whole emergent situation. Um, oh, no. But anyway, excuse that uh, interruption. My point was I really, really fixated on this guy. And I really thought that was it was like me practicing this idea of unconditional love that like no matter what. Yeah. Just always give to him or something. And it became this like obsession. Like it wasn't even the guy it was like a, like he was like a role in my head, but the role was just like, I'm meant to hear to save you or something weird. Right. And then, and I was at the same time, like totally placing myself worth on that. And so. Him, I feel that. Yeah. So like him not doing well, which he didn't, I didn't save him. I didn't save him. Yeah. And, and I, and I hated myself for that. I hated myself. I hurt myself over that for That's years. So heavy. And it's so sad. And I didn't get it. And then later I had this, like, that was my hard learned lesson. Later, I was like, oh, I was never gonna save him. And I and I also had not even the beginning of a chance because I didn't even love myself. Like right. I, I was not approaching it in the right way. And if I had come from it where I loved myself, perhaps I could have unconditionally loved him. Because unconditional love can also involve knowing that you you can't save someone and and stepping away with grace. I feel that. And love yes. Them, you know. I uh, went see the. Remember, I was talking about how like I had that group of friends that I just wanted to belong with wow. while I was living out in New Hampshire. It was a very similar situation to what you're describing because it all started at Job Corps, and that's where I met Chris. And Chris, like, it, it's just a literally like almost very identical situation where he was obviously just not in a good place in his life and i was that kind of person to want to try and like fix somebody to try and like save them like you were saying and it's just crazy how similar these situations can be because like i was saying like human people living human lives like it's like we're all we all just have a heart that beats at a similar rate i feel like because yeah. I find that these stories, they always like seem to overlap. And I like, I quit job core for him. I moved in with him to help him like pay the rent. And like, I, I got, but I got my heart fucking like teased with by this man. That was the worst experience ever. Yeah. And I thought that I was helping. And then it turned out that he just, like you were saying, like you have to be able to admit at a certain point, that you just, you can't save that person. Yeah. And that that is a part of unconditional love is because they're not taking your help. How are you? You're obviously not doing much more than enabling them yeah. at that. And that's yeah. what it turned into. Like he freaked out on me and got super fucking violent with me. And I still stayed. And I made the same mistake that I used to fucking like think other people were dumb for making. But then. I got myself into this situation and I finally understood like what it meant to care. Yeah. And that's why I think there's such a big difference between this, like our preconceptions of love and like care. Cause yeah. I don't believe in love in a certain, like through that same sense. I, I do believe that care is what we're really looking for because you're never 
gonna like all of the parts of somebody. And I think to say love is to imply that there's no hate, even to like, you know what I mean, even to the smallest degree, a dislike, if you will. But nonetheless, it, it takes that away. It takes that out of the equation. It makes you feel like you're not allowed to be critical of these people. And I feel like that's one of the most urgent things that we lack in this day and age is the ability not only to take criticism, but to give criticism in a way that is truly that will truly help to build that person up, which isn't to say that everybody is inherently built up by criticism, but it is to say that if you're being delusional and nobody ever tears your delusions down, how do you get any better? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's an interesting one because also like, I, I hope this is not too much of a tangent, but to just even go off on like, what is a delusion? Like, what is the delusion? Because I do think there are people that are operating in a reality that's just not meshing with mine to the point where I don't know that we, you can't really, you can't move forward and and come to any kind of point of agreement when even the foundations are not the same, you know? So there's yeah. some level of like, uh, I might call that delusion. But then on the other hand, I do think that there's a huge diversity of realities. And then I think that reality is kind of defined collectively. So if you're literally the only person who thinks something, maybe that's delusional, but it, then it becomes like a similar conversation to like, um, to like uh, social versus medical models of disability or something like where is yeah. society coming in to determine that that's delusional? Where are you coming in to determine that's delusional just because that's an opposite truth from yours? Right. Um, and and sometimes truths are opposite, but then you really can't go, it. It's almost like it's irrelevant. Like you can't practically move anywhere from that if you just don't even have any kind of foundational similarity. Yeah. No, I totally feel that. It's just like, at least in my mind, I feel like the concept of the delusion is carried by the weight of somebody like finding importance in something that just doesn't exist now. Like yeah. they lose this sense of like what this moment has to offer them. And instead they're constantly dwelling in the past or the future and have no outlook for how this moment is going to evolve into the next, because mm -hmm. they're so busy working through all of these possibilities that just aren't here in this moment. Yeah. It's like um, neuroticism to an extent, I feel like is my idea of illusion. That's interesting, Neuro like neurosis. And it does, to me, it is like kind of a parallel conversation to the medical conversation too. Like, cause I think neurosis is all based on society also, you know? It really is, yeah. It's like a perspective and, it, and I, that's what I mean when I, I think that there's like a more broad way to think about these things that just that, that those perspectives aren't capable of because like the medical perspective is completely dominated by the corporate field. Yeah. You know what I mean? You can't go and be a doctor. You can't go and like be in the medical profession without having some kind of a corporate education. You have yeah. to go to some company and then they give you a piece of paper that says, well, you did it right. <laughs> <laughs> and I yeah, just and what does that mean? Like, what I'm is a the very authority? like self-educated person. I've always yeah. been really good at teaching myself and showing myself and because I have access to other perspectives. Like I have the ability to think about this thing from a third perspective that other people might not be able to fathom. Yeah. And I, like, I made a video about this the other day. I was like, um, in the video, I'm talking about how you can, what was it? 
It's like perspective, right? And this guy is telling me that it is up to the victim to change the outcome of their situations in regard to having their boundaries crossed. And I had to make a video because he was being so vague and so like victim blaming. Mm. And I was like, sometimes a third perspective is necessary in order to allow the other two parties to understand what is available to them for options in this reality. Mm -hmm. And to sit and to assume that people even have the ability to know what their boundaries are in the first place mm -hmm. is such an absolute farce when we know that our society teaches us to be obedient and to seek validation from the external world. So a person set up to believe those things has no idea what they themselves value or what their personal boundaries are, except for within the limitations of seeking external value and being obedient. And I mean, that's part of the importance of community, again, just like right. circling back to having other perspectives and the fact that like, you can't, you can't just be around people that fully agree with you. And that's never really going to happen. And it's not even healthy, even if it were feasible, you know? Yeah, it's not even sustainable, because people change over time. There's no yeah. telling who your best friend is going to be 10 years from now. That's a good point. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. Well, very interesting. And I, uh, I do have to probably hop off in a few minutes, but before I go, so you have this discord that's going on and that is, is that kind of your primary project right now? Or what else have you been interested in working on that you would like um, want to call attention to? Yeah. Um, definitely just the wood carvings and other things, like I was saying, how it's such a weird intersection to want to escape capitalism but need money simultaneously. Yeah. So the project I've been working on lately is trying to get a TikTok shop and an eBay store going where I sell my, uh, like, wood carvings and uh, uh, I'm doing some pottery with all with stuff I've sourced naturally. That way my costs are zero and I can put as much money as possible towards this vision of creating these self-sustained communities where instead of working for some company to death, we're just working collectively to uphold the standard of living we desire to see. Yeah. Living for the sake of living. That's what I'm ready for. I'm thinking, I'm just sitting and chewing on that idea of living for the sake of living. Oh, it feels so good. That's why I went out into the woods and fucking like, fucked off from everybody for the longest time i think it was like six months i stayed out there and i literally i was open with myself i was honest with myself i i did the meditations where i would pace back and forth and just think about why i'm here how i got here what yeah. the point is and it felt so good to only have my opinion in my mind instead of having everybody else's voice crowd mine out that's interesting. Well, it's nice to have that kind of quiet. And I did something like that as well. I, I even think it kind of prepared me for my own like awakening experience, but it happened uh, a little bit I before, but right. yeah, I went up to one of my master's degrees was up in Penn state, which is just like a little college town in the middle of very rural Pennsylvania outside of it is like nothing. Yeah. And just mountains. And I just only, you know, I didn't have, like, I didn't go visit my family except for maybe a couple days each year while I was up there. And um, 
didn't have, I had some friends there, but I didn't have, I didn't like have anybody from the rest of my life that came. And I felt like it was like a cosmic egg, you know, about that like yes. egg concept. And it felt like that. It felt like I was like the Phoenix character and had to go there. And during that time was also the same time that I lost about 120 pounds was that year because I just took it upon my, I just was like, now I will walk every day. I will walk like 14,000 steps a day. And I just did it. And I, it was just like, before that I had never figured out certain things about my own health. And I, and I kind of do that. Like I kind of have no, I think it might be like an autism thing, but I have no, I have like no ability to do anything on a certain skill until I'm perfectly good at it. Totally. So like, yeah. and then suddenly I've just mastered it and immediately can do it from go perfectly. And I did that with my health and my body where I was like, I don't get this at all. I don't get how to eat healthy. I don't get how to be healthy. I don't feel good. I feel gross every day. I hate myself every day. And then, and then suddenly I was like, Oh no, the, the thing is just, you walk and then you, you know, and then it just clicked and then everything, it's not like it's perfect every day, but like it, but I don't know, like that whole time going up there and separating myself from people and giving myself almost like time to cook in and yes. was like really <laughs> like important. That. Right. I agree totally. I like the egg. I like the egg. That's funny. Yeah. It makes sense though. Yeah. Well, I think, I think it's an important kind of phase. And also, I mean, it's similar to like, it's funny that we're actually doing this interview on a, on a new moon, I think is, is new moon in Capricorn tonight or something. No way. And, uh, yeah. And that's such a good time for kind of going inward and, and refreshing and taking, you know, taking some reflection time it's like right. an end and a beginning and it feels like one of those it feels like one of those periods when you are able to go and kind of um hermit <laughs> yeah. yeah i'm so ready i now that it, if it's going to be a new moon i'm ready to let some things go so maybe yeah. i'll have to do my own little ritual or something yeah i would advise i mean i think this is going to be a good time for release and renewal this one in particular yeah i'm just um i'm just feeling like uh, what do I want to say? Like a lot of signs for me, and I take signs seriously in my own life, a lot of signs have just been coming up and pointing me to the idea that this is going to be a big, big shift for this year, finally. Oh, yeah. And I'm really... No, this year feels so much different. Yeah, it does. It felt like time really, really broke for me around the pandemic and for a lot of people, I think. And I feel like it's finally kind of coagulating again, you know? Yeah. Right. Like it's time to like everything that was in shambles is like, so pieces are in the right places now. They might not, they might still be a little broken, but. They're still, we, we yeah. They're the forever kind of. It's like right. that. It's like that kind of pottery where there's a crack and then they fill it with gold. You know what I mean? Yes. It's like there's, it's always going to be there isn't that beautiful? And then also we are starting to kind of be able to make it a functional, like earn again. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, I really appreciate your time. Um, I think this might be a good place to end, but I'm so glad that we got this in. Thank you for doing it with me. Definitely. I'm glad I got the chance to actually talk to you. I know. I think we've been, again, we've been kind of in each other's orbit for a while, but it's really nice to have like a one-on-one -on -one uh Sorry. connection because i think i think we're kind of meant to be cosmic neighbors you know yeah. i didn't realize that we had had some like such similar experiences with our yeah. like that's I honestly 
I think there's more of us out there than we than it feels like sometimes. This is my theory. I have yet to experience that fully. Like I definitely have this idea that there are more of us out there, but I don't meet them ever. Yeah, well, I'm I think one of my kind of driving things right now is to start to like this podcast I'm hoping will be will be somewhat connecting people like that and and giving us all a sense that th- that it's not as alone as we might feel sometimes. That's kind of one of my hopes for it. I think so, we need that. I think so too. And now's the, the best time of all because things really are changing, I think, you know. Truthfully. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, Cody. Um, I'll see you around on TikTok, okay? <laughs> Definitely. Thank you so much.